0: Good morning, Ebenezer. How are you this morning? I know it's raining outside, but we're in here, we're dry, and we have heat, and so we are good. My name is Jamie, I'm the lead pastor here at Ebenezer, and I wanna say again, just like Timothy, welcome today, welcome home, welcome home. If you're a guest of ours today, we'd love for you to stop by our welcome desk on the way back, fill out a card, get a nice coffee mug and some other things, also, if you're joining us online, we, we want to hear from you. Drop down right now in that comment section. Let, drop us a note. Let us know that you're joining in with us today. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I want to go ahead and ask you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. While you're turning there, though, as you saw on the screen, uh, the video about life. Today is, or the weekend, we are celebrating the, the uh, Sanctity of Life Day and I just want to say this, guys, we are pro-life, but that's more than being anti-abortion. What that means is, is that we hold life dear at conception. We believe that life begins at conception, and we want to be a voice for the unborn. And the way we, one way we do that is we partner with a local ministry called Tacoa Life, which provides a variety of different resources and outreach to young parents who are considering other options. They provide service to families, single moms, married couples, grandparents raising their grandkids, and and other things, especially ways of connecting unplanned pregnancies to uh, adoption options. Last year, in 2022 the center had 904 appointments. 904 appointments. They assisted two single moms in finding reliable transportation, one of which for four years had been walking to work and to church, and they got her a ride permanently. They also worked to help get homeless families off the street and give them resources such such as food and clothing. And already in this year, Up to this day, in January, they've had 66 appointments. It is a vital ministry. And so today I want to call us to pray before we begin our message. To pray for the unborn. To pray for our politicians that they would have softened hearts. That God would be exalted in this. But most importantly, that Ebenezer will be a place of hope. For these young mothers who are are questioning what to do. Not legalistic shaming. But a place where they can find refuge. And I want that to identify us. So will you bow with me as we pray this morning for the unborn. Father in the name of Jesus. I pray that our hearts are broken today. Not just that there are babies that are being killed regularly. But God, that there's these moms that don't know what to do. And they don't know where to go. And for so long, some of them have been shamed by the church and have no place to go. And so I pray, God, that that would be removed. God, especially for our house, our home here at Ebenezer, that we would exalt Christ in such a way that these moms can find a place of hope. But then we would come around them, wrapping our arms around them, to help to know who Jesus is but also to lead them to options. Whether they decide to keep that child or to find a way to give that child to adoption. God, whatever it is you want to use Ebenezer to do, we're laying it before you. Be with our politicians. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would continue to work in that system. Lord, thank you that Roe v. Wade is gone. Thank you that it's gone. But that doesn't mean that there's still not a problem. God, we are pro-life. Not just anti-abortion. God, we want to be a champion for young moms, babies, young families who are struggling all the way up to the lonely, the destitute, the hurting. So Lord, use us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited today because last Sunday, for those of you that couldn't make it, I want to catch up what happened last week. We got to witness one of the most powerful ordinations I think I've ever been a part of. Paul Batchelor and his family came, and he was ordained into the deacon ministry here at Ebenezer. And I can't tell you a more precious and special moment than that, especially for Lindsay, Charlie, Kate, and Sophia, as they got to be a part of seeing their dad ordained into that ministry. But it's interesting that we're ta- we did that deacon ordination last week, and this week we're going to talk about a subject, the fourth one in our list in this series called Focus that's near to my heart. Because everyone in this room has been called to serve. Just because someone carries the title of deacon does not mean they're the only ones that serve. In scripture, the word for deacon means serve. The word for deacon means servant. There's a verb aspect of this and there's a noun aspect of this. But all of us that accept, have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior have been called to serve. And not only have we been called to serve, we have been equipped to serve. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 14 through 15, after he washed their feet, after he washed their dirty, nasty feet, after he touched the feet of the man who would betray him, he said this, If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that, all, that you also should do as I have done to you. It was serious to the Lord and it should be something serious to us. I honestly believe with all of my heart that the desired result of discipleship is to serve. You see, we've been talking over the last few weeks about what I consider my core values. You see, to me, Scripture is in high regard. It shapes my life. It should shape my thoughts. I hold grace in high regard as it forms the foundation of my identity, who I am. I hold family in high regard because I believe that God has raised up the family to raise up the faith of the next generation. It's that important. Because, see, we focus on Scripture to know God. We focus on Scripture to make a difference. We focus on family To leave a legacy. I'm calling us today to focus on serving to fulfill our purpose. It works kind of hand in hand that as we serve, we grow. And as we grow, we serve. Last week I gave you five reasons given by a group of of people who stayed in church from 18 to 29... And the second reason given from that group of people of why they stayed in church was that they served in a ministry with their family. Kids in this room, look at me. If you're a kid or if you're a student, let me tell you something. The greatest thing that you could find is an avenue to serve with your mom and dad, your grandparents, your foster parents, whoever it is that makes up your family household. Why? Because it's that important. You cannot grow as a disciple if you're unwilling to find out how God wants you to serve. It's that important. In the first church I served in, I did a study with my students. And here's what I found. I classified them this way. That if I had a student come into my Wednesday night group, did they have parents that were attending church? Did their parents serve reg- come regularly and did their parents serve? Here's what I found. Two-thirds of my students in that group had parents who served in the church you hear that number? Two-thirds, and I ran about 80 to 100 in that, in that church. Two-thirds of those students had parents who served in the church. Another 10% were best friends with those kids. Now, I know kids, it's Sunday, and we don't like doing math, but that is three-fourths, or about 75% of those kids were either, A, the parents were serving, or they were friends with those kids. It makes a huge difference difference. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.9 about God. He said, who has saved us and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works but according to his purpose and grace which he granted us in Jesus Christ from all eternity. God had you in his mind and what he needed you to do a whole long big long time ago he has a plan for your life. Because here's three things that I know. God loves you. Look at me, church. Look at me. God loves you. Do you know that? God loves you. God has a plan for your life, and God has equipped you to do what He's called you to do. And what I'm afraid is that we take the gospel and we focus on geography. We focus on the fact that, hey, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll say, hey, I want to get saved so I can go to heaven. And that is true. But the new covenant is clear that God wants to Live in your life to put his spirit inside of you, causing you to obey his commands. And he's raised up the church collective to be the body of Christ to the world. You see, we don't live in this thing solo. We can't do it by ourselves. For the last few weeks, we've been putting together office furniture. A lot of office furniture. Desks and shelves. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm competent enough I could do it on my own. Brother Fred and Sam and some other guys have been coming in and helping us put that together. You know what? We got it done better, and we got it done quicker. The Bible says that God provides all of our needs. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And that's not just so he can get us the stuff we need. It's so that he can provide for you to be an expression of who Jesus Christ is. And I know even sitting in this room, looking across the faces today, I know you're thinking, well, I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. And you know what? We can make a greater difference together. And that's why to me, serving is so important. Too many of us cut the gospel short and have never experienced the full potential that Jesus Christ has for your life. We have missed that. And so, I'd like to ask you now to stand with me in reverence of God's word as we read. I'm going to be doing kind of a systematic, not topical. I don't like the word topical. But I believe you treat every passage in its context, exegetically. But I want us to look systematically at some reasons why serving changes me, how serving affects me. Listen to what Peter said, starting in verse number eight. Above all... Keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Now check this out. I don't know what your Bible says. Mine says employ. That word is deacon. Serve, serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, whoever deacons is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Let it be so. Let's pray. Father, In the next few moments, I pray, as you know my attitude about serving, that you can set aside me, set aside my thoughts, and God, that your word would speak so boldly. There's no way that we can leave here today without being inspired to serve you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to look back again, actually at verse number seven, because I need to give you a little bit of context here. Peter is writing to the scattered ones, the the ones that are are out there. Persecution is building in the church, and they're suffering. Folks, let me tell you, you've never suffered like the early church suffered. If I can be real with you, after the first service, I begin to reflect about the way that Christians were treated in the first century. Places like the Colosseum in Rome, where... They would bring Christians in, but because human flesh is not desirable to lions, they would take the hides and carcasses of animals that lions did like and they would wrap those people in those hides so that the lions would think it was the prey they desired and would maul them to death. Folks, we haven't seen persecution. We may soon enough. They were suffering And he says in verse number seven, the end of all things is near. Therefore, and he gives two imperatives, two commands, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now, the reason that I give you that those are two imperatives is because from verse eight through verse 10, the rest of the verbs are participles. They go back to verse number seven about being in sound judgment And sober spirit, sound judgment, meaning that I'm in my right mind, a moderate estimation of myself, and of sober spirit, calm and temperate, regarding what? Regarding the gospel. I think we need to be reminded on a daily basis that Jesus is coming back soon. Even though we could say, well, now it's been 2,000 years, every day that we live, every moment that we wake up, Every morning when we we see the sunshine could be the day that Jesus comes back. And we need to live in that immediacy. And Paul is reminding them of that. To be, let your your thinking be straight. (laughs) Calm down. Take a breath. Then he begins to unpack in verse number 8. So he says, above all, keeping fervent in your love for one another. Now, the last time I heard a phrase like that was Valentine's Day. I would say to my wife, I fervently love you. Now, I could say that or I could show that. And he's saying this to the church that's scattered. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way we can get along as a church to forgive the wrongs that we hold against one another and the wrongs done to us is if we have a fervent love for one another. God is giving, again, God is giving you everything you need. He'll give you the strength to forgive the person who's wronged you. Why do we need that? Because we are in this together. He goes on in the next verse, he says, to be hospitable, which is an adjective to one another without complaint. Be friendly. Help one another. And so he's laying this out. Then he gets to verse number 10 and He says this, As each one has received a special gift, employing it. Remember, it goes back to sound judgment and sober spirit. Employing it, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, for every person, not just a deacon, but for every person who's accepted Christ, he has a lane for you. He gives you a gift through the Holy Spirit. And I don't know any other great opportunity, anything greater than watching a young person grow up and discover the gift that he or she has. But even beyond that, then taking that gift that God has given and using it to the glory of God. It's it's awesome that this goes back to the fact that he supplies us the grace. You know, we just got finished singing and worshiping. But there's no greater act of worship than when we serve. There is nothing that exalts Jesus Christ more than when we serve. The greatest symbol of Christianity is the greatest symbol of sacrifice ever. And that is the lifestyle that He is calling you and He's calling me to employ, to deacon. We serve as a picture of the cross. We serve as stewards, carrying the, gr- God, the grace of God and dispersing it. Dispersing it, declaring it, telling the world about the goodness of God. And we do that through our serving. And here's what I've learned. Can I be practical for a moment? I've been around a lot of people who like to share their faith. Sometimes the greatest detriment to the gospel is, Is these hotshots who go share their faith, but they never pick up a shovel. And the serving never reinforces what they're saying the Lord did for them. They just wanted the opportunity to tell somebody what they know. We earn the right to preach the gospel, first of all, by loving one another, but then the way that we treat those who are around us. And here's the cool thing. He says in there, we serve out of the strength, serving by the strength that God supplies. This is not dunamis. This is... Physical, most of the time in the Bible it's used as physical strength. Now, I don't know about you, but the worst sickness that I have had was two years ago when I had COVID. It started in in my family, and I was, I guess, blessed to have it the last and had it the longest. Twelve days I ran a fever, but my worst symptom was I couldn't eat. I lost 15 pounds. I lost 15 pounds. I wasn't going to let it get to me. I didn't want it to set up in my lungs. I was determined. I walked my driveway every day, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My driveway is about, if I do 11 laps, that's a mile. That's how long my driveway is. And I was, going, I was, I was bound and determined this wasn't going to take my strength away. And you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to be down, and you can't raise your arm, raise your head to get out of bed. But when you start feeling better and your strength comes back, That's the strength that God gives you and me so that we can serve. Why? This is subjunctive at the end of this verse. In verse 11, it says that God may be glorified. How? By our serving. So you can say, if I'm not serving, am I really glorifying God? Now, I can sing louder than anybody else. Well, I don't know about that. I can sing pretty loud. I can make a joyful noise. Some of y'all can amen that and go right along with me. But when I find my lane, I can most glorify God. Because see, to me, all the things that we do, when we pray, we give, we fast, we study, come to church, all of those things to me leads to us becoming servants. And if it doesn't, then something's wrong with the process. Because each one of you have a potential. Y'all remember science, the difference between potential and kinetic energy? Kinetic energy is the energy of motion. Potential energy is energy that is stored up. So right now, this pen has potential energy. It's stored up. How do I know that? Because it's six feet from the floor. When I let go of this pen and gravity takes over, that energy is expended into kinetic energy. Now, if I had a coffee cup and I did that, y'all be freaking out. (laughs) You would be, because that great buildup of energy would cause a great crash. You and I have potential energy. And God wants to unlock it. Because this first point says, God moves me. Serving moves me. It animates me, just like a Nickelodeon. You know what Nickelodeon is, right? now. It's not a channel. A Nickelodeon is where, where artists would take and draw and render the drawing and change it just a little bit so that when you spun that Nickelodeon, it would animate it. There's a reason why Bugs Bunny is only 10 minutes long. Because it probably took him 10 years to draw every page of that Nickelodeon. But isn't it fascinating how you turn that crank and it animates us? Guys, when we serve, God animates us. He moves us. And when I don't find my lane, when I don't commit to serving others by by serving the Lord and serving the Lord by serving others, then I basically become a stagnant pond of water. Have you ever seen a stagnant pond of water? It stinks because the water's not moving. It's got to circulate. And it's the same for you and me. We are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. And God doesn't want us just to be a catch can. He wants us to be a conduit. It moves me. But the second point, serving matures us. Serving matures us. Let me take a moment and read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. I want to read a few of the verses. But I want you to, after I read this passage, then I want to go through and I want to highlight some key phrases. He says, starting in verse 11, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he do that? Why is the body of Christ important to me? And some of you today are sitting here deciding, is church important? If you're in middle school, you're asking yourself a question. Is church important for my life? But number one, it is. It is very important. It's vital. You're making a decision right now as a preteen kid whether or not you're going to stay in church in 10 years. And I'm telling you, church is vital because you will be that small little buck or doe that gets peeled off by the wolf and devoured if you don't mature. Serving matures us, and we mature so we can serve. It's, It's cyclical. So he says he gave these things, but here's the key verse. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Again, that word is deaconing. That's everybody. Now listen to this, to the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we obtain the unity of the faith. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. Have you ever been in a church that's divided? Can I be real for a moment? You ever been in a church that's divided? Do you know why it's divided? Because you're not serving. And you can't serve unless you take your needs and relegate them to the needs of others because he just said it, building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith. I can't find that if I don't find my lane. And listen to some of the phrases in that paragraph. He he talks about uh, the equipping of the saints, building up the body of Christ, the unity of faith, a mature man, measuring to the stature, the fullness of Christ, no longer children, growing up Fitted and held together, the proper working of each part, causing growth to the body and the building up of itself. Every phrase in that paragraph. And you and I are a part of it. You talk about that individual potential that all of us have. Think about the individual potential that we have together. It doesn't just add up, it multiplies when you have a church that's on fire and passionate about what God has done for you, when you realize the depth and depravity of the sin that Jesus saved you from, then you don't mind taking your alabaster box and breaking that ointment and putting it on the feet of Jesus because it's precious and you can't keep it to yourself. You want to share it with other people. We have not been placed here on a solo adventure, but have been placed here to lock arms and go hand-in-hand out here to, to empower our people, to empower this community to know Jesus Christ. And that depends on you, and it depends on me. UCLA basketball coach John Wooden created an offensive system for his basketball team that put players in their sweet spot to shoot the ball. You know what a sweet spot is, right? I know I've got a few golfers in the room. I've dabbled with it a little bit, but I'm not that great. But I know that a golf club, a tennis racket, has what's called a sweet spot. Maybe five times in my life, my driver has found that sweet spot. And when it does, it's a beautiful sound. And it's a beautiful hit, except mine kind of go out and then it goes to the right. It's called a hook. Well, no, that's not a hook. It's a draw. No, it's not a draw either. It's just a mess. That's what it is. It's a mess. (laughs) Because then i got to go in the woods and find my ball. But when you hit that sweet spot, it goes. And so here's what he did to them. He said, here's your spot. This is where you're shooting. If they shot outside their spot, he took them out of the game. You know why? Because it didn't contribute the most to the team. Each one of you has a sweet spot. And when you find that sweet spot and you employ that sweet spot, that gives the most to the team. God's calling you and me to understand that serving matures us as we find what that lane is. At the end of the day, serving isn't about making you or me great. It's so that I will act more like Him. So that I will talk and walk and move and act like Jesus Christ. And I can't do that if my goal is to exalt myself. Even in serving, there's the temptation to serve so people look at me. I remember a meme years ago where there was a cartoon and this guy was standing there and he had a cell phone in his hand and he had a, a Happy Meal and there was a homeless family behind him and he's handing them the Happy Meal doing this with a cell phone. Give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Because if I'm serving the right way with the right motives, it matures me. And the third one here, serving models Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Well, I want you to take and just listen to this story in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. This is a chapter before the triumphal entry. Jesus is on his way to Passover, F- Passion Week, where he is going to die. And I'm going to paraphrase some of this story. Starts like this, it says that the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making requests of him. And he said to her, what what do you want, what do you wish? And she said, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit at one side, one on your right and one on your left. Yeah, she did that. Moms, I know you will do anything for your kids, but her intention was prestige and power for her kids, for her sons, her adult grown sons. Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink? This is kind of comical to me. They said, oh yeah, we can do that. Because see, here's what they were thinking. They're thinking, you're about to go into Jerusalem. This is going to be awesome. Jesus is going to walk right up there. And he's going to, all the power he had exampled and shown them. And he's going to walk right up there. He's going to kick the Romans out. And he's going to sit on the throne of David. This is it right now. The disciples, even though they had been with him for years, still did not understand what all this was leading to. And they wanted to be able to sit right there beside him. He said... You will drink this cup, but to sit on my right and left hand, that's not mine to give. Even Jesus, in his relationship with the Father, had humility. He said, for it is those whom it has been prepared for by my Father. And After hearing this, the others were ticked off. That's my paraphrase. I mean, they were probably pretty mad. The other ten standing there listening to the sons of Zebedee, begging so they could sit on the right and left hand of Jesus. That's awkward. <laughs> That's kind of like the kid that walks in, and mom goes up and gives the coach hundred dollars and said, "Hey, I want my kid to start." And all the other team members standing there going, "What?" That's crazy. You just, you just, you just like, what are you thinking? But then Jesus called them together. He knew that there was, a, he knew this was, this was causing issue, and he called them together and he said, "This. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them forcefully." And if their great men exercise authority over them, and then he wrecks the world. He says, this is not the way it should be among you. But whoever wishes to become great must become your, what's that word say? Servant? Become your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Okay, Jesus, give me a reason why that should be so. Why should that be an operative in my life? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He turned the world upside down. You see, if we're going to serve as stewards of God's grace, animated by the power of God, so that God is glorified, so that we are equipped in the body in order to mature, then my faith must serve God and glorify Him as I'm seeking to get at the end of the line, not the front. Serving models, Christ. See, I want our joy to be that we see others' needs met. I want my heart to be one that wants to help those around me. My goal is that I will decrease and that Jesus may increase. I want my hope to be that God's power will be magnified in my weakness. Catch that? My weakness and my mission ought to be to serve others so that they may know who God is and how to know Christ. I love the lyrics of the 1999. That sounds like 50 years ago. 1999 song by Audio Adrenaline, Hands and Feet. The end of it says this, I'll try, yes, I'll try to touch the world like you touched my life and I'll find a way to be your hand. To touch the world like you touched my life. Let that be our heart as we experience, experience how the Spirit of God can move us, motivate us, and make us the way Jesus wants us to be. There are so many things we do as Christians, some seen and some unseen. But have you ever wrestled in your life with what God is calling you to do? Have you? Have you ever wrestled with that? Because it's not an easy wrestling match. But it's one we all must do. What is God calling you to do in this body that we call our church family? Because He has a place for us all. Billy Graham said, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and helpless focus on serving to fulfill your purpose greatest example i've ever seen of this was my mother-in-law diane thomas with laura's permission i asked if i could share a little bit about our experience when i met laura laura was leading her preschool class i mean she'd been leading it through her teenage years why because her parents were founding members of her church so some of you will relate to this they unlocked, they locked up, they cleaned the toilets, they vacuumed, they were there every Wednesday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. They drove the bus, they did all the things, everything. In fact, Laura was probably more like a PK than anybody. But her parents modeled that with love and sincerity, and they drove a bus on Wednesday nights. And over the years, it took blood, sweat, and tears. They, they would set up and do all of these things, they were models of serving. But nine years ago this March, her mom had a small heart attack and went in the hospital and we thought, hey, this is just routine. And She went in for a procedure that caused her to have a massive heart attack and we lost her on March 8, 2014. And it hurt. It stunned us. It shocked us. During the funeral, like most of you, when you lose somebody, you're you're just kind of like, you're dumbfounded, you're... You're stunned, you're you're shocked, you don't know what to say, and people are coming by and expressing condolences, and and you're listening, and you're hearing some of it. But as I stood there near her dad and her brother and her, as I watched them come by and love on our family, I remember this one particular case of a young woman who rode that bus. See, Diane and Kenneth, when they would drop the kids off, before they would take them home, they would stop at IGA and get ice cream. Now, I know about you kids. If somebody's saying, hey, when we're on the way home, I'm going to get you ice cream. Come to church. I'd be like, I'm all about that. Aren't you? I love some Dairy Queen. But this young woman stood in front of my wife, who we know personally, and said, I was one of those kids that your mom and dad picked up every week. At that time, she was serving as a children's director at a church. Because following that process, that young lady was able to get her mom and dad coming to church. And they turned their life around. And then was able to influence other members of her family. And they got into church. And to this day, every member of her family, to my knowledge, is serving and affecting church. Why? Because Diane Thomas found her niche. She wasn't on stage. She didn't sing in the praise team. She sat in the far back right, praying. And looking for ways to make a difference. Like a rock that's thrown into a pond and sends out ripples. Everything gets touched. That was my mother-in-law. God, she found a way for God to fulfill her purpose. And I am convinced with everything in my heart that when she walked into heaven, that she heard those words, well good, well, good. well done, good and faithful servant. She modeled serving, and I can tell you guys, I miss her. I miss her cooking. (laughs) I miss our conversations, because she loved me like her own son. And after that funeral, actually this text was the text I used at her funeral. A friend of ours painted this, and we have it hanging in our dining room. So the last shall be first. So the last shall be first. I don't know what lights your fire. I don't know what motivates you. I don't don't know what it is that, that gets down into the deepness of your soul and your heart. But I'm telling you today that when we discover the passion that we can have for God and the potential he can do in our lives, we can turn Tekoa upside down. I can't do that for you. You have to discover that. And so today I want to invite you to do one thing. Up here on the altar, I have cards. And I'm telling you, there's a step for you, and this may not be the only step you can take. I can't sometimes kind of assume people have a logical mind and that God can speak to you and say, you know what, I need you to do X, Y, or Z. But this is something we wanted to put in front of everybody today. Because we want to be a church that's making a difference. We want to be a place of hope. And on these cards, they're up here on the altar, and here's what I want you to do. If God's leading you to take a next step in serving, I want to invite you in just a few minutes while we're singing to come and grab one of these cards and fill it out. You can either leave it here on the, ca- on the altar, you can take it with you home, bring it back later, or you can give it to someone in our connection center or our welcome desk. This is basically what it says. My name, my phone, email, my phone number. And it says, I am interested in serving. And check all that apply. In preschool, we need preschool workers. Kids, we need kids' workers. We need student workers. We always need next gen workers. Why? Because we leave a legacy through our family. See how all these connect together? We need people to help us care for one another. If they're sick or they need a visit, we, we need you. Some of you are, gift, are gifted that way. We need some of you to serve in hospitality. You love to set up tables and decorate and, and do meals and things. We need you. We need some people to help us connect to one another in our groups or or in our follow-up with guests. And we need people to help us with safety. Because we want to create an environment that people want to come to and feel safe. And guys, this is just, this is just the start. We want to become a, a church that is looking to to plug in everybody into their lane. So as, as we stand, if you would stand with me, If God is putting it on your heart to come and fill out one of these cards, please come and do so. Or come get a card. There's cards in the foyer. But that's my challenge to us today. God, what do you want me to do? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we are getting ready to leave out of here, let us not leave today without wrestling this question. Lord, what are you calling me to do? And how can I make a difference? Lord, we love you. We love our church. And I pray, God, that you would use our church as I said... To turn this town upside down for the cause of Christ and the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.